Hello, hello, and welcome to the Vegas Voice on AM 1400 KSHP Las Vegas. The Vegas Voice, the voice for your health, wealth, and good times. It's the free monthly magazine. Learn more at thevegasvoice.net. Hey, everybody, John the announcer here, and if you had great show on your bingo card, you are a winner, because we've got one today. Up first, he's a, a producer, director, screenwriter, actor, John Hightower joins us. Then, at the bottom of the hour, the smooth sounds of Grammy-nominated Clint Holmes. But first, we bring on the host here, is comic impressionist Rich Natoli. How about that Johnny announcer? Isn't he something? I want to tell you. <laughs> you know, I should have said, here is working comic impersonator <laughs> well, Rich <you> Natoli. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah, uh, actually, Saturday night. Saturday night. Saturday night, uh, I'm at uh, Chianti Italian restaurant uh they've been doing mostly all music shows at chianti it's a great venue um it's over there on durango drive chianti italian restaurant and we're doing a the first comedy night over there how um, exciting yeah and 7 you've got PM. a great lineup too yeah yeah i'm gonna MC, and then i have uh kathleen dunbar headlining she's great very very funny and very funny paul scally will be in the middle there so it's gonna be a, a nice little little night of comedy i hope people show up because you know there's no cover you can come in and, and no reservation required. Oh, so come on in and you get a bite to eat, order something to eat, something to drink, and, and enjoy the show at oh. 7 p.m. on Durango Drive. It's called Chianti Italian Restaurant this Saturday night. So How join exciting. Us. So we got a great show. We got an uh, uh, up and coming producer. He's producing movies and he's out there and he's moving and shaking it. Uh, John Hightower. Hi, John. Hey, Rich. How are you today? Hey, good. Thanks for joining us today. So you got a, a lot of things you're working on. You're out of Atlanta, Georgia, right? I am, yeah. So tell us what you got going on and, and what your uh, what your uh, your goals are and, and what you're trying to do in, in the film industry. Well, at the risk of taking up all of your radio time, I'm going nah, to okay. keep it short. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. We got um, well, I, um, I've got about... About nine projects in the work right now, works right now, and I just finished up. Well, actually, I'm still doing ADR sessions for the Christian film Hope Again. We're actually about to start the scoring sessions for it next week, and I'm beyond excited about that because film scoring is actually one of my most passionate, most favorite parts of filmmaking. So we're definitely looking for. We've already got the songs and everything like that lined up in the film. It's a pretty song-heavy film. It's about Ten, 10 songs in that film. So we're trying to get the score to match up with it to kind of, you know, fill in the gaps and heighten the emotions. And um, we're really excited about this one. It's my, it's my second, it's technically my second Christian film, mm-hmm. faith-based film. Um, the first one being Song for the Wounded. It came back in about uh, 2019. Uh, but this is the first one that's actually getting distributed that, you know, a lot of people will be able to see. So nervous, not really sure what to expect, but I'm definitely hopeful uh, you know, no pun intended, that it's, <laughs> that it's going to do well and it's going to touch a lot of people. It's got some relatively relatively well-known people in the, in the faith-based industry that are in it. Mike Hickman is in it, uh, Stephanie mm-hmm. Parker is in it. Um, and, of course, it basically the, the concept of the film basically came aboard when I had known Denise Morris um, through, you know, several mutual contacts on Facebook. And one day I just got an idea. She says she has three daughters that really love to act. And I like to consider myself a person of action. You know, someone just goes out there and just does it. So I just decided to just take it upon myself, and I just prayed about it, and I wrote a screenplay. And I took me about four months to actually write it. It was was more difficult than most of my other screenplays because it was – it had a lot of different characters and a lot of different storylines kind of intertwining, and it's it's easy to, to kind of do that and then get lost and kind of figure, okay, well, how do I tie all this back together? Mm-hmm. But somehow I came out with it, and I pitched it to Denise, and she said, absolutely, this is fantastic, and so then we drove to Ohio and filmed half of it there and then filmed the other half in Atlanta and shot the whole movie in 15 days. Wow, so now why Ohio? How'd you pick Ohio? That's where they lived. Okay. They lived in Ohio at the time, mm-hmm. and uh, they had a whole bunch of people up there that they knew, and it would basically kind of split the film in half. I used my um, my resources and my connections here in Atlanta to help us the time that they were there, and I kind of just sat back a little bit and relaxed and just directed uh, that week in Ohio when 
when she had her connections helping us out. And uh, it was it was a really, really fun experience. It was an amazing experience. It's my first film shot in 4K, shot with a quote-unquote real camera. Mm, good, yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's just been amazing um, to see this film come together, and it's amazing footage. Uh, my computer is uh, filing for unemployment at this point, but, um, you know. <laughs> uh, along with the rest of the country and the world. <laughs> yeah, I need to upgrade my equipment here, <laughs> yeah. for sure. So now let, let's talk about Atlanta, because Atlanta's becoming a film and, and TV mecca. A lot of shows and movies uh, filming there now, right? Absolutely. Well, for from my experience, it's been... There's a lot of stuff going on here, but for the people who do a lot of the above-the-line stuff, you know, your writers, your producers, your directors, your principal cast, um, you still kind of have to get in line like everybody else. See, a lot of the, the bigger production companies, they do all the above-the-line stuff out in L.A., and then they come out here to film, and then they hire smaller roles, and they hire crew out here. So if you're still trying to, you know, really move up high in acting and you're still trying to write and produce your own stuff – um, there's still slight benefits of being here in Atlanta, but you still have to kind of get in line like everybody else. There is one thing there is good about living in Atlanta, though, is exposure because you are exposed to all of the stuff that's going on around you. And you may not think that that's really that important, but it actually really is. It is important to be around all of this stuff going on if you're trying to make it in the industry. Well, because that, you just well, that, get on one set. Yeah, you just get on one set and meet the right person, and you never know what can happen. Well, you know, you're you're a thousand percent correct, and I'll tell you why. Yeah, um, Kevin Costner said, you know, when he started, he said, you know, I knew I wanted to be in the movie industry, and he said, so I decided because I needed to make money that. If I, w- I didn't care if I was going to empty trash, but it would be movie trash on a, on a movie lot where I'm around all the people that are doing what I want to do. So mm-hmm. that is brilliant because so th- you're putting yourself now. It doesn't matter what you do. You could be the janitor, but you're going to meet and you're going to see and you're going to learn. And there you go. That, that's pretty much gold. So you're correct. Absolutely. You're correct. Absolutely. And so now when people want to know, okay, so you're making a movie. Now, independent independent movies, I mean, I'm, I know the cost must vary. What What's like the average cost? If, if somebody's producing a movie, is it $150,000, two hundred? I mean, I know it varies according to, you know, where you have to be and what you have to do. But is there an average ballpark in there that it costs to produce movies? So that's a very good question. Uh, I'm going to try to answer it as as concisely and as quickly as I can because that's a lot of information to give. But yeah. what I have been doing, if, if you have the right equipment and you have volunteers, you technically can do it on a zero budget. The hope, again, is I wouldn't say it's quite zero, but it, it's, it's, definitely, it's definitely close to that. And it's um, – it's it's a lot of volunteer based. Uh, we actually had one of the actresses. We used her own camera to to shoot on it. And uh, you know, locations locations are always the hardest thing. Locations are always the hardest thing. And we had a lot of help with. Uh, I mean, it wasn't easy. It took a lot of work and a lot of calling and a lot of asking for favors. This person knows this person knows this person. But we were able to secure a lot of locations. And that's once you've got that, that's half the ball game. And a lot of people. Uh, and I'm very blessed to know a lot of really talented composers and people that really want to be a part. You know, they see the project, they see the film, and they're just like, oh, this is amazing. I totally want to be a part of this. Yeah. So, and, and then they'll work with, you know, if you're kind of digging out of pocket a little bit. And I have had that experience, and I've been blessed to be able to do a lot of, you know, zero-budget projects that are actually – I've been careful saying this. They're actually relatively good yeah, <laughs> um, right. for, for very little to no money. Now, that's, that's the first part. Now, the second part is if when you do actually want to start moving on to um, getting more bigger stars in your films and potentially doing more action-oriented kind of stuff. Action is – I've done five feature films, uh, zero budget on action, and I'm telling you it's it was just to show investors what I can do. I would never – brag about doing real action films you know to to real professionals so it's when you get into budgets like that 
then it comes then it comes down to prioritizing okay well what do we already have that we can use to keep us from having to go budgets and if you if you're going to do action you got to you got to have safety crews you got to have gun wranglers you got to have all that kind of stuff so that needs to be your priority if you're going into um bigger budget action materials and if you want to have stars in your films you got to make sure you're taking good care of them you got to make sure that everybody's on the same page about what their rates are uh the union is knocking on my door i haven't quite decided if i'm going to go through that route one day i'll probably have to but um you know the union sag is also another thing you're gonna have to consider when you start talking to bigger names so there is more of a process to getting, uh, you can have budgets anywhere from ten thousand all to five hundred thousand, and they can be great movies. It really just depends on what you already have bringing to the table. Are you bringing a lot of volunteers? Are you bringing a lot of your own equipment? Things that you can help you stay on budget and be able to deliver a quality project um, in an economical way. Right. No, excellent points. Excellent points. We're talking to producer uh, who could be the next Spielberg because you got your head on straight. You're doing it all the right way, John. Oh, John man. John Hightower, uh, up-and-coming producer out of Atlanta, Georgia, producing many movies. We're going to take a quick break. More to talk with John right after this. You're tuned to the Vegas Voice on AM 1400 KSHP Las Vegas. Stick around. John, Rich, and I return right after this. Reading skills are extremely important for your child's development. The trick is to find something your child wants to read. American Stonehenge is the book for you. The first book in the new series, The Adventures of Jimmy and Andrew. American Stonehenge is a modern adventure story filled with great characters and mysterious plot twists. For a free preview of the first four chapters, go to jimmyandandrew.com. Enter promo code RICH25 at checkout and receive a 25% discount on your purchase. Go to jimmyandandrew.com and use promo code RICH25. Oh my God, it gets so hot here. That's why I love 007 Air. They keep me warm in the winter and very cool in the summer. Go to coolingvegas.com right now. Coolingvegas.com. For residential or business, they do it all. Go to CoolingVegas.com right now, CoolingVegas.com. With a 10% discount for first responders, go to CoolingVegas.com, CoolingVegas.com. 007 Air, licensed to chill. Commercial breaks the way you like them, quick and painless. Now, here again the host, comic impressionist Rich Natoli. We are back talking to up-and-coming uh, producer out of Atlanta, Georgia, John Hightower, who's uh, who's got so many movies going on, and he's producing uh, a few Christian films. Now, the Christian film industry is getting very popular. I think studios finally uh, finally uh, found out that that they're they're money makers. You know, people love them, right? Yeah. Thank God. Yes. Yeah, and, <laughs> I, and I think uh, what. Well, I think uh, what the Passion of Christ was, was Mel Gibson's movie. I think that made a lot of money, right? When they put that out there, I think that mainly kind of started the whole um, yeah. awakening into because I think that's the first time in my very, 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 very humble opinion that was the very first time I'd seen uh, the crucifixion and the, the any part of Jesus brought to screen that was very realistic and was accompanied by. You know, some really, really powerful music and some really good modern filmmaking approach. Um, again, one of my personal favorites was the Bible miniseries that Roma Downey uh, and Mark Burnett had produced and the Son of God movie, which was the, the just the Jesus portions of that series. And you talk about emotional music during the crucifixion. You cannot beat Hans Zimmer and Lisa Gerrard. You cannot beat those two. Yeah. And uh, I think that that... that series kind of helped worldwide really kind of get people interested in, oh, okay, you know what, there's a real story here. You know, there's really something that we could kind of get interested in. We've kind of seen this for the first time in a way that we've never seen before. It's fresh and new. It's the same old story, you know, respectfully, but it's a new, fresh take to it. And the Passion of Christ started that. 
I think the Bible series, the Bible mini-series helped with that as well. And now you've got stuff popping up left and right that's trying to do the same thing. And they're all amazing in their own ways. Yeah. So now that, now with your films, I mean, have you had any, any of the bigger names yet at this point? Or, or who's like the biggest names you've had? No, not at this point. Um, let's see. I, I think... Because they want so much money, right? They do. They do. And, and, I, and I also want to just be respectful to a lot of those bigger stars who have kind of put put their time in and, you know, are, are working in the industry for a living. And, you know, I know, I know, you know, I'm, I'm coming for Kevin Sorbo one day. I'm coming for Michael <laughs> W. Smith. They, they know I'm coming for him. You know, I'm just, I'm respectively, humbly just biding my time, just waiting until, you know, I climb the ranks, you know, because the, the big, one of the biggest fears I ever, ever have is sitting down having lunch with Mr. Sorbo and he reads my script and I'm just like, oh my gosh, you know, like, am I ready for this? And, you know, <laughs> I, I just, I feel like I got one shot to get that right. And I just want to make sure that, you know, he sits down and throws it down on the table and says, this is brilliant. When do we start? And, you know, it, it's really going to come down to how you get there is you do a movie like this. You do a movie like Hope Again, where you bring everybody on their A game. And if you're passionate about the music, which I am, uh, spend a lot of time on that music. Don't cut any corners, and just make sure all the performances are great. And you have a great story, and just see how people see how the public reacts to it. And you know, both the secular and the faith-based uh, markets, and then just kind of build from there. You know, if you're sitting down in front of a, 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 a one of a stars, you know, you can just be like, "Well, I've done this movie and this movie," and they're like, "Oh yes, I've seen that." You know, right. not a you know. I have well this this movie on YouTube and this movie on YouTube. You know, that just it doesn't quite have the same same effect. So not any big stars just yet, but you know, it, it, it's all a process, and I'm I'm not really too worried about it right now. I'm just trying to do the best job I can do on what I'm working on. As a writer, I can create content for a lot of actors. So one of the reasons why I'm working on so many projects at one time is I'm creating content for a lot of actors all across the U.S. that have not had a chance to really have a lot of lead roles in a lot of really, you know, heavy films. So, you know, I'm kind of just being a servant at this point and just trying to help get those actors somewhere. And then, you know, in the future, maybe that'll come back and you know, I'll be surprised and say, oh, yeah, I saw this little action flick, this cute little action flick that you did in Indiana with so-and-so. And I'll just be like, oh, wow. So you just never know where it's going to come back and bless you. Yeah. So, so now how do, you, how do you find your actors? Do, you, do you, you find them online? Do you find them in acting schools or colleges? or? Oh, well, in the beginning, it was rather tough. In the beginning, it was just kind of... When I was in college, I only had, you know, a small pool of people around me, and I was so scared about going out and into the, the big, bad Atlanta market and trying to find, you know, actors in Atlanta. But um, I kind of started there and, you know, slowly started going to the, the Faith and Film Breakfast uh, Wednesday mornings here in Atlanta and just slowly meeting people. And I'd say after after Song for the Wounded... And maybe after the first Dark Intentions action thriller, my senior capstone project in college, I think at that point the momentum started because this actor knew all these other actors that were trying to make it. This actor knew this person. And then before long, I got almost overwhelmed with just the amount of people that just wanted to get on get on some, some material. So I think the last – I don't even remember – uh, the last time that I did a casting call on one of the Atlanta production Facebook pages, just because I just I have too many people that I'm already trying to create content for, and it's it's a blessing, but it, you know it can get a little overwhelming at times. Yeah. Now, is there an area in Atlanta where there's primarily like a bunch of studios, or are, are most of the productions done on location with maybe one studio there? Or how many studios in that town now? Um, there are quite a few. I remember kind of trying to get, I just remember giving up sort of when I, <laughs> when I was just applying for jobs at all those studios and kept finally getting turned down. I just kind of had a, um, you know, I was trying to get PA jobs and get editing jobs and all that kind of stuff. And finally, I just had one of the, one of the guys in the industry just sit me down and just say, you know what, 
just speaking lovingly to you, John Michael, you know, you're, I actually go by John Michael. So um, that's usually what people, what my name is, people call me. So, you know, honestly, John Michael, um, you know, you're, you're probably getting a little too old to be, you know, toting around stuff that, you know, 18, 19, 20, 25 year old guys can be doing. So you probably should just continue doing what you're doing, just trying to do your own stuff and all that kind of stuff. You know, and that's precise opposite what they taught us in school. You know, you got to get a job on set. You got to do this. You got to do that. So uh, just trying to make it on my own was it didn't sound like the best advice, but I tried it. Um, And, you know, I I have actually worked for one studio, uh, GPB, here, and I've been on one of their shows a couple of times. And uh, they're they're functioning really well. I grew up watching GPB shows, uh, Ghost Rider, and all that kind of stuff back when it was GPTV. So um, I've had the privilege of working with them uh, several times. And I'm looking to do other stuff with other studios as I get my name more out there. But I understand it is a process. Yeah. So at this at this point, are you also directing your own projects as well as producing and writing? And or are you kind of doing you wearing all the hats, or do you bring in another person that's directing or? I am. See, right now, I uh, you kind of int- you kind of introduced me as a producer, which which is true. Technically, I'm producing my own stuff because I don't have a producer, but uh, I market myself as a director, actor, writer. So I, I act in a lot of my own projects, and uh, obviously, I was actor in uh, one of the GPB shows as well. Um, I'm marketing myself a little bit more as a director at this point, um, but yes, I write and direct. Uh, all of my own stuff. I act in some of them, as, you know, if, if if there's if it's appropriate to do so. And I would love to direct other people's material as well. I'm definitely looking for that. Um, we're constantly running into a lot of other filmmakers that I know they're wanting to do the same thing. They're wanting to write and direct their own stuff, and I respect that. So, you know, my time to direct somebody else's stuff will come eventually. But, yes, I'm wearing all the hats. I do my own editing as well. Um, I don't do any music. I have score composers that do that, but I'm also a music arranger. I like to arrange stuff when given permission to do so as I see fit. And um, I record all my own Foley and all that stuff as well. So I like having creative control over the, especially on some of these faith-based projects where, you know, you, your your name is really, really intimately attached to that project and you just need to make sure that everything on that is is what it needs to be and there's not something in there that shouldn't be there etc <laughs> yeah and so now um yeah di- directing is is more your passion then to be a director as opposed to acting and writing or or is it you just kind of like them all equal i would say acting and directing are both my equal passions i'm di- i'm marking myself more as a director at this point because um, acting is a whole huge process of just of, of taking classes because you really need to take classes. You really need yeah. to, you know, expand yourself as as much as possible if you're really going to be competitive. So you know, taking classes and then getting an agent and then all that kind of stuff. So that and then you got to get a, you got to get a demo reel together. So I've done a lot of that, but. Um, I'm slower in that process than I am just going out there and just getting stuff done. So at some point, I'm going to try to catch up a little bit on my acting reel and, and that kind of stuff as well, for sure. But right now, I'm and, and writing, I do like writing scripts, but writing for me is so tedious. I mean, I get writer's block over the stupidest things, and I waste an hour or two at a time just because I can't figure out, okay, I've got the beginning of the story, i got the end of the story, but where's the middle in here, and am I wasting too much time, do we need this scene, you know, I get hung up on what's this character's name going to be, you know, and so, and writing is just, actually writing it down and typing it out, it's very tedious, it's rewarding when the script is done, but the the writing process is just very time-consuming, but I do love writing, and Directing and acting are probably the two that I'm most passionate about. Yeah, John Michael Hightower. Can I say that? John, John <laughs> Michael sure Hightower. He's a producer. Whether he likes it or not, he's a producer. <laughs> <laughs> and he's a director and an actor and a writer. Do you have a website, John? we got a, a minute left here. Uh, do you have a website you want to plug? 
So I'm still working on my website, and I'm working on the uh, Hope Again website, but I can take you to the uh, Hope Again Facebook page okay. um, for the film, which is just basically Hope Again-The Movie. And I'm still working on getting everything up on my website. I took it down over a little bit because I wanted to put up some more more recent stuff that I've done. Yep. So that's still in um, construction right now. But if you go to uh, Facebook and type in Hope Again, the movie, it goes through the entire cast. It goes through a synopsis of the film and tentative release dates. And uh, we were really excited about it. We can't wait to get it out in front of everybody. Okay, John Michael Hightower, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We are coming back in a few minutes, folks. Thank you, John. Come back again, buddy. All right, man. Thank you so much. Folks, you're tuned to The Vegas Voice on AM 1400 KSHP Las Vegas. The Vegas Voice, the voice for your health, wealth, and good times. It's the free monthly magazine. Learn more at thevegasvoice.net. And don't forget, all of these K-Shop shows are available on all the major podcasting platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcast, Radiohead, the whole panoply, if you will. Just simply search in KSHP on any of the major platforms, and you can pull up all all the shows like this one if you want to hear it again stick around we'll be back with the great clint holmes right after this hi there i'm pretty sure i'm bruce Baum, and if you like hot sauce you're gonna really like my new noggin blast organic hot sauces Available at NogginBlast.com. These are hot sauces the whole family can enjoy, depending on how you raised your family. Every bottle is signed by me, whether you want me to or not. So if you want some, it's at NogginBlast.com. That's N-O-G-G-I-N-B-L-A-S-T. NogginBlast.com. NogginBlast.com. Reading skills are extremely important for your child's development. The trick is to find something your child wants to read. American Stonehenge is the book for you. The first book in the new series, The Adventures of Jimmy and Andrew. American Stonehenge is a modern adventure story filled with great characters and mysterious plot twists. For a free preview of the first four chapters, go to jimmyandandrew.com. Enter promo code RICH25 at checkout and receive a 25% discount on your purchase. Go to jimmyandandrew.com and use promo code RICH25. Replacing your air conditioning and heating system is a big decision. That's why Johnny on the Spot Air Conditioning and Heating tailors every new unit estimate to meet our clients' needs. We go over all the options with you and custom design a new system for you and your home. And of course, these consultations are always free. Schedule your free new unit estimate online at johnnies.vegas or call us at 702-JOHNNIES. That's 702-564-6697. Contractor license number 76827. Talented Clint Holmes, who's joining us right now. Playground in my mind. It was a big hit. Uh, my mom's favorite song. Yeah, you, John. John, the announcer, <laughs> was saying, uh, Clint, that it's uh, it's <laughs> his mother's favorite song. She used to play it all the time. Well, thank you. Tell your mom I said thanks. Yeah, and you sound great on there. I mean, you know, you got such oh, a great voice, and and you know, it takes a special voice and a special talent for to resonate with with the public you know and to have a hit record like that uh it's got everything has to kind of come together right clint it's a it's a it's a process of all these things coming together 
Well, the, the story on that record is uh, that I didn't particularly want to record that song, um, but it was a part of a two-record, uh, a two-sided deal. And uh, when I went in to record it in New York, uh, the guy, the, the producer, kept saying, "You're singing too much. You're singing too much. You're doing too much. You're doing too much." And uh, finally, they put the kids on it, and then the, the, the producer said, "Okay, go in there and sing with the kids. Sing like the kids are singing," which pulled me back, which, of course, turns out was exactly the right thing to do for the record. Um, but I really had to I had to uh, let the producer produce me. Um, and he knew what he was doing because the record, you know, sold two and a half million copies. So, wow. Yeah. So now now what now? Now, I just I, OK. So when that record came out, what was that like? Now, you, you when you heard it on the radio, was it back at that time? Was it an instantaneous success to where they just started playing it like crazy or or did it was was it like a slow building thing? It was a very slow building. It came out in May of 1973, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, died. Nothing, nothing happened with it. I, you know, I almost forgot about it. And um, uh, Christmas time, a friend of mine called me up who lived in Wichita Falls, Kansas, and he said, "Hey, man, I'm hearing your record all, you know, all the time." And I said, "What record?" <laughs> one with the kids. One, one with the kids. They're playing it on Cleo, K L E O, uh, in Wichita Falls. Wow. So I called my producer up and I, and I said, told him that, and he said, "Yeah, there's a there's a record guy thought it sounded like a Christmas song, and like a holiday song. So he, he's playing it. Don't get too excited." February. So that was December. February, I get a call that the record's going to go top fifty, um, and I need to go to L.A. and do and complete the album. So it and, and by June of 1974, the record was top 10. So it took almost a year. It took a little over a year for the record to actually hit. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's kind of, it's actually been written up as, as a, a strange phenomenon, yeah. um, how that record, how that record became a hit. And there's probably a lot of stories like that, right? Where, where people really, cause it's like that with movies. I mean, you release something or TV shows too, and you don't really know until the public really has a chance to hear it. And, 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 and well, you don't know if the public's going to have a chance to hear. It. Yeah, that's, that too. That's right, 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 right. Well, I mean, that's the promotion and, and uh, all, all that stuff. So, yeah, you're right. You never know. And so how, how do you I tell you? Yeah. Can I tell you my favorite story about that song? No, go ahead. No, I can't. OK, no, you can. Uh, I said, go ahead. <laughs> no, I can't. Okay. <laughs> so, so, so because it's, that record was is so you know old, uh, I get people coming up to me and, t- and they tell me stories about it. Some of them are beautiful, like one cancer patient who who uh, was the first thing he would put on the radio or on the thing every day. But my favorite story is this girl comes up to me. She says, I used to love that record when I was a kid and my brother hated it. And one day my brother took the record off the player and broke it. And I went yelling to my father and I said, he broke the record, he broke my record. (laughs) And my father gave him this huge spanking. And he said, to this day, our family, if we watch like a boxing match or a football game and somebody really gets hammered, we say, boy, he got Clint Holmes. (laughs) (laughs) Where to God. (laughs) No, that's funny. That is so funny. So now now the the way the industry is now today, where Uh where an artist, an up and coming artist can take something and throw it out on Spotify or on YouTube or something. Is that better or is it not as good as it was when you had to go through the record company and the individual radio stations? Uh, I don't know. Um, my, my gut instinct would be it, it gives more people the opportunity. Um, but my, my other thing, I think people make artists, uh, unless you hit big, make less money. I, I think that it's harder to make money as a songwriter. Um, it's harder to make money as a re- as a recording artist. It all has to be about what the record does for sales once you get out on the road. It, it, it's not, um, you know, it used to be if you had a hit record, you made, you, you know, you made a sizable amount of money. Um, but these days, uh, it's it's a very different thing. So I'm not going to say it's bad or good. It's just different. And you so know? and so when your when your hit record came out. You must have got automatically. They wanted you on all the talk shows and stuff, right? Because it just it automatically just made you uh, kind of popular overnight, right? When you got a hit yeah, record. Yeah, well, on... once it yeah once it once it came out, I, I did uh, I did the Tonight Show. Um, but actually, it was when Bill Cosby was hosting Johnny Carson show, but yeah. Cosby was the guest host, and he had me on. I did Merv Griffin a few times, and I did Mike Douglas. Yeah, uh, I think Mike Douglas show, if you remember that, was the first show. Uh, of its kind that I did. I did American Bandstand. You know, it was it was it was a lot of fun. 
And and these were shows that would have been difficult to get on had you not had that hit, right? As Impossible. Good as, yeah, even as it's good as you are. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, American Bandstand was all about hit records. It wasn't, you know, um, you know the, the other shows, Merv Griffin and Mike Douglas, yeah, outside shot, but the record really made it, you know, possible. Absolutely. Right. We're talking to uh, Clint Holmes. uh uh, he's a, a recording artist and singer here in Las Vegas. Everybody knows Clint. He's a star. <laughs> he's a star. And uh, you have now sat, tell us uh, about Notoriety because you're doing shows there. And I think you have one Saturday night, correct? This Saturday? I, I, I like every other entertainer. I, I haven't really had a chance to get up and do what I do in a long time. Yeah. You know, um, my last show was uh, March 14th, the day before everything shut down. Oh. Um, so this is the first show. Back for me, uh, and I and I decided to to do it. I'm doing it at Notoriety, which is a a, a great new uh, music room in town. It's uh, uh, at the old Neonopolis, where Neonopolis uh, was, or maybe it's still called Neonopolis. I'm not sure. Uh, it's on the corner of Fremont and the Strip, um, and uh, it, it embodies the entire third floor. Uh, Ken Henderson opened this uh, set of rooms, and he's opened two of them so far. It's ultimately going to be five under the umbrella of notoriety. Uh, the one that we're performing in is called the Robin Leach Room in honor of Robin, who is a good friend of mine and of Ken's. Um, and it's just, just this great-sounding music room. I, I'm actually doing a matinee um, on Saturday, this Saturday at 3 o'clock, uh, and I found out yesterday that it sold out. Uh, which means that we will be doing uh, another one. <laughs> in, in, uh, uh, we're going to set a date in April and May uh, to do to do some more. I, I just kind of wanted to ease back in. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think there are still a lot of people who are a little, um, uh, you know, cautious about going out and going into, uh, which I certainly understand. Um, so I, hopefully, uh, well, since we sold this one out, that that that's great. And then next month, hopefully, things will be a little bit more lifted, and uh, maybe we do two shows instead of one, and we, and we move on like that. But I'm excited about this. I really am. Yeah. Now that'll be at 3 p.m. on Saturday evening at Notoriety downtown uh, there in Neonopolis right. in the Robin Leach. The Robin Leach Robin Room. room. <laughs> we got Clint Holmes in the Robin Leach Room. <laughs> I used to love talking to Robin Leach. Why don't you come down and do the intro? <laughs> <laughs> I would love to. I'm actually working Saturday night, but I would love to. I'll do that for you another time, though. I'd love to do that. Okay. That would be a lot of fun. We're talking to Clint Holmes. And Clint, what's your website uh, where folks can learn more about uh, what you're doing and what's coming up and all that good stuff? You know, it's clinthomes.com. Uh, www.clinthomes.com. Uh, uh, we try to keep it simple so that I can remember. Because I, yeah. <laughs> I know I know how that is. I know how that is. We have to take a quick commercial break, though. We got more to chat about with Clint Holmes right after this. Oh yeah, folks, you're tuned to the Vegas Voice on AM 1400 KSHP Las Vegas. The Vegas Voice, the voice for your health, wealth, and good times. It's the free monthly magazine. Learn more at thevegasvoice.net. Stick around, Clint, Rich, and I return following these brief messages. Reading skills are extremely important for your child's development. The trick is to find something your child wants to read. American Stonehenge is the book for you. The first book in the new series, The Adventures of Jimmy and Andrew. American Stonehenge is a modern adventure story filled with great characters and mysterious plot twists. For a free preview of the first four chapters, go to jimmyandandrew.com. Enter promo code RICH25 at checkout and receive a 25% discount on your purchase. Go to jimmyandandrew.com and use promo code RICH25. Oh my God, it gets so hot here. That's why I love 007 Air. They keep me warm in the winter and very cool in the summer. Go to coolingvegas.com right now, coolingvegas.com. For residential or business, they do it all. Go to CoolingVegas.com right now, CoolingVegas.com. With a 10% discount for first responders, go to CoolingVegas.com, CoolingVegas.com. 007 Air, license to chill.
So when I was about 12 years old, my dad, Edward Lewis Holmes, started taking me into Buffalo, New York to hear his music. See, I was too young to go at night, but they started to do jam sessions at 3 o'clock on Sunday afternoons. My daddy would take me in. Some fathers take their kids to ball games. My dad took me to jam. Sunday jam, and there I am, just my dad and me, slapping five, talking jive, cool as we could be, top of the stairs, smoke everywhere, waitress would smile, flirt with my dad away, I didn't care, I just wanted to be there at the rendezvous. We are back. That's the talented Clint Holmes, who will be appearing at Notoriety in Neonapolis downtown over there by Fremont Street uh, this Saturday, the the 6th of March. And he's going to be there at 3 p.m. doing a special matinee show. And it's packing him in already over there in the Robin Light Showroom, the Robin Light Showroom. But that's going to be that's going to be a draw right there. Just the Robin Light Showroom. <laughs> How awesome! Yeah, I gotta say, thank, thanks for playing the, uh, that track. That that's uh, um, a song, obviously, from my uh, new album, uh, Rendezvous. And you were um, nominated for a Grammy. We want to talk about that. Yeah, um, that that was Joey D. Francesca playing the B three, who's like just crazy man. We flew him in. Uh, to, we recorded it at, at L.A. Flew him in from Chicago just to play that tune uh and and uh because there's kind of nobody like him in the world uh so I, that's a, an exciting track by the way um on this gig i'm doing um saturday um i'm i'm working with tom schumann who is uh, the pianist with the great band spira gyra and um uh who lives here now and uh just uh this first time we've worked together and he's brilliant um really really excited about working with tom and hopefully it'll be the first of many times yeah, that's awesome. And so now, now in, in the showroom there, how many seats uh, are 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 actually in the showroom? I know they're probably not allowing full capacity yet, of course. But how many seats when when the thing is full and and full capacity is allowed? How many will there be in in the Robin Lee showroom? It, I think two hundred. Two hundred. Good. Give yeah. or take. Yeah, uh, we're we're. Um, well, I, what are we at? Thirty-three point three percent. Is that where we're allowed now? I, um, sure I know that. Uh, yeah, seventy-five was the cap for this show. So, um, whatever that re- relationship to the room is. Yeah, I wonder if there'll be know. somebody there counting heads, John. You know, like <laughs> he's got thirty-four. Well, I, I, I got to tell you, they've done Ken, uh, Ken Henderson, and uh, no, they've done a great job. It's 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 uh, everything is spaced. Uh, you, you know, they take your temperature when you come in. Uh, you have to wear a mask when you go in. I mean, it's it's it, they're doing it right. They really are doing it right. Or, or I wouldn't do it, you know, uh, you know, because I, I don't want to put anybody in, in jeopardy or in danger. Um, so they're they're really they're doing it right. Yeah, you want people you want people to feel comfortable, of course. And that's yeah. uh, uh, ClintHolmes.com is his website once again. And uh, did you do did you when you were a kid did you study like did you study vocal or anything or you were just naturally good? No, my mom was my first voice teacher. Um, okay. Uh, she, my mom was an opera singer. So mm. when I was, you know, uh, I don't know how old, 10, something like that, yeah. she started te- teaching me. The, the story goes like this. Mom was a, a white British opera singer, and Dad was a black American jazz singer. So when I, you know, growing up in a very small town, a town of 500 people, um, <laughs> there wasn't, weren't too many outlets. So um, when it became apparent that I had a voice, and my sister's a singer too, my mom started teaching us. Um, and so at 10 years old, I was learning correct vocal technique, mm. which has been one of the reasons that I've been able to sustain a career all these years, because I, I quote unquote, kind of know what I'm doing vocally. Uh, and then when I was 12, my dad uh, decided it was time for me to, uh, in his words, get cool. So he would take me into Buffalo. We live we live near Buffalo, New York, to a jazz club called the Colored Musicians Club, which is still there. In Buffalo, I talk to Frankie Shinta about it all the time. Uh, and it's now a national landmark. Uh, but I used to go in there when I was 12 years old with Dad on these uh, Sunday matinees, and that's where I fell in love with jazz and really fell in love with music. So, so my musical influence really comes from both sides in different ways. Yeah, that's really awesome. And uh, and I should mention also, you know, you worked with Joan Rivers a lot. 
back in the day, I did. right? Um, I did. You were on her TV. You did. Her, were you the musical director on her TV? Uh, uh, no, no. I, I was her. I was her announcer, uh, and, and that's a, that's a great story too. I, I toured with Joan. Mm-hmm. Joan used to have two opening acts: uh, 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 me as a singer, and then a comedian. And the comedian was either Dennis Blair, or or Gary Shandling. Um, and then, uh, so they would open, then I would do a musical set and then Joan, right? So we had become good friends and so on and so forth. Uh, and I went to see her in Atlantic City, um, because I was living in New Jersey at the time. Uh, I wasn't touring with her. And after the show, we were talking backstage and she told me, she said, I'm starting this new show on Fox television, blah, 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 blah. We've got the band leader. We've got the band. We've got everything. The only thing we don't have is an announcer. And she goes, so, so say, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Joan Rivers. Just say it. And I'm, I'm sitting in the dressing room, and I go, ladies and gentlemen, Joan Rivers. She said, no, no, say it, say it, you know, like a, a TV announcer, you know. And, and I said, <laughs> okay, ladies and gentlemen, Joan Rivers, you're hired. And, and I flew out to L.A. Wow. And eventually moved my whole family back to L.A. Yeah. Uh, to be her announcer. Wow. And that and, and her show ran for a, a while. How, how many how long did it go? About a year, about a year. Mm-hmm. And it should have run longer. Yeah. Um, it, but for me, it, it, first of all, it was a great experience. I learned a lot. And I, while I was doing it, uh, Entertainment Tonight called and I did uh, uh, Entertainment Tonight's music features for a year. Uh, they, they traveled me all over the place to, to work, and that was a thrill. I mean, they sent me to New York to sit with Joel Gray backstage when he was doing Cabaret, an interview, you know. Wow. Uh, wow. That, that, was, that whole thing was uh, Barry Manilow's Christmas special. I went on the set and sat at the piano and sang with him. I sang with Mel Torme, uh, the, the, the Christmas song, uh, after I interviewed him, and he said, Clint, sing the bridge. You know, I mean, so it, that whole Entertainment Tonight thing was was a great thing, and then that sprung into bringing me back to the East Coast in 1991 to do my own TV show called New York at Night, which won an Emmy Award. So the whole Joan Rivers thing, uh, uh, you know, was a springboard for a lot of things in my life. Yeah, that, she was great. Too. Yeah, that seems to be how this industry works. You know, one little thing yep. Yep. just kind of opens another little door. So now, what what are, who are your musical mentors that people would love to know? You know, who did Clint Holmes love? listening to and 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 kind of i don't want to say model after because you're so unique you take a song and make it your own but there are everybody has those models right that they study in other people and i have a lot uh, but my i would say if i had to name kind of one when i was young uh would you know would would be harry belafonte Um, i mean i remember sitting with the family when i i don't know how old i was at 9 10 11 12 something what and and all these great people like Sammy Davis would come out, and I would just go, oh my God, how great is he? And Elvis and all these people. But when I saw Belafonte, it was just something that I connected with. The style of his music, the rhythm, the rhythm of his music, his look. Um, I, so I would say if I had to pick one, which would be ridiculous because there were so many, it would have to be Belafonte. Wow. And now, so is there anybody that you've always wanted to work with that you couldn't, you can't work with right now, but you would love to work with at some point that's living, of course? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would, I would love to work with Sting. Sting? I would love Sting, yeah. Why Sting? I would love to, because I think he's consummate. Um, I think he is um, a, a wonderful musician, an incredible songwriter. Um, and I think he's just, he's got his own unique thing, and I think it would connect. Uh, I, I, I think I don't. I don't. No, I don't know him. I know his wife, but I don't know him at all. Uh, but he'd be. That's kind of the first person that comes to mind. I mean, this again. I'd love to go out and work with her, Herbie Hancock. You know, uh, as a, as a pianist, um, that would be very cool. So, so I mean, again, I'm, I'm one of these people who I hear. You know, if you said who's my favorite singer, I would tell you Michael McDonald is my favorite singer. Wow. Um, you yeah. don't know uh, me, but I'm your brother. I'm your brother. <laughs> uh, uh, it's such a such a unique. You know, you hear it's like when you were a kid, Johnny Mathis. You heard four notes, and you go, "Oh, that's Johnny Mathis." Yeah, right. And, Michael McDonald's like that, right? You Luther know, was- you know, isn't that so true? I remember hearing a story where Merv Griffin, Merv Griffin told a story where he said, you know, he had his vocal lesson in San Francisco from the same vocal teacher as Johnny Mathis, and and Merv was was on was in getting his lesson after Johnny Mathis, so he would always hear through the door <laughs> when Johnny Mathis was in, and Johnny Mathis, you know, was in there going, oh, "Look at me," and the, and the, and the, the, and he said that the teacher was always yelling at Johnny Mathis, saying, "You." 
can't sing like that. You're singing out of one side of your mouth. You can't do that. And then Merv said, but that's what made Johnny Mathis, Johnny Mathis. And that's right. And, and that's, isn't that a great point that what, what sometimes what a, a teacher is, whether it's acting teacher or a vocal teacher, they want you to be the same as they're used to seeing everybody doing, but that's not what makes you a star. And, and a great vocal teacher will know that. I, I, I'm guessing, I would, well, I don't know who, who that teacher was, but um, my teacher, Frederick Wilkerson, when I lived in D.C., and I was, I was in the Army, but I was taking voice lessons. He taught Roberta Flack. Um, he taught uh, the opera singer Leontine Price, and he totally understood what what they were all about. And he understood what I was about. He didn't try to make me sing songs I didn't uh, that weren't right for me. He understood what my he, he used to come see me perform in, in uh, nightclubs, and he would then with the next lesson he would talk to me about what I was doing. But it was never. A, a, it was usually he, he used to say to me all the time. He, he called me Puddin Puddin. Too much sugar for a dime. You're giving him too much sugar for a dime. You don't have to sing that much. He said, listen to Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra talks. And then at Tony Bennett talks. And then at the end of the, they'll give you the notes when they need to give you the notes. And that was such great advice. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Uh, Clint Holmes, the website is clintholmes.com. He's going to be at Notoriety down there on Fremont Street at Neonopolis uh, this Saturday, uh, March 6th at 3 p.m., doing a special matinee show, which they're packing him in for already, in the Robin Leach showroom. Clint, thank you oh so much. God, for... <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, you Clint. You're going to walk in there one day, Rich, and you're going to look and go, oh, my goodness, I'm in the Robin Lee showroom. I'm in the Robin Lee showroom, and I don't know why. Thank you, Clint Holmes. God bless, buddy. Great talking to you, my brother. Bye-bye, guys. Me and my dad. Let me tell you, those are the best times I had. You've been listening to The Vegas Voice on AM 1400 KSHP. Join Rich and I next Thursday morning at 10 for more of this The Vegas Voice. Oh my God, it gets so hot here. That's why I love 007 Air. They keep me warm in the winter and very cool in the summer. Go to CoolingVegas.com right now. CoolingVegas.com. For residential or business, they do it all. Go to CoolingVegas.com right now. CoolingVegas.com. With a 10% discount for first responders, go to CoolingVegas.com. CoolingVegas.com. 007 Air. License to chill. Papa, why can't we telegraph while riding a horse? Son, there ain't no one to blame but Jeffro. He was riding old Betsy the Stallion, tip-tapping away at his telegraph, when blam, ran right into the side of the saloon. Well, if Jeffro can't do it, neither should you. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council.